It's very hard to be courageous in the world today when fear seems to be taking over wherever you look. People are refusing to listen to anyone who doesn't agree with them. They're villainizing anyone who's different from them, terrified that the other is going to displace them and take what's theirs. But this is not the way Christians should think or act. We need to let God open our eyes, ears, minds, and hearts so we can see others for the children of God they are. We aren't called to show favoritism unless it's to err on the side of justice and standing up for the oppressed. When we understand this, we can ask for Christ's help because Jesus wants us to be opened. Welcome to the Real Word Podcast for the 23rd Sunday in Ordinary Time, Cycle B of the Roman Catholic Lectionary. I'm Brandon Jubar, and I'll be your guide as we walk through the readings for this week. It's an important process because we believe the scriptures are the inspired Word of God. But to really be nourished by the Word, we need to break it open and look a little deeper. We need to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Now, the messages I get from these scriptures might feel right to you, but you also might find that the Holy Spirit tells you something else, and that is absolutely all right. So if you're ready, let's dive in. As I said, tonight our readings are from the 23rd Sunday in Ordinary Time, Cycle B. Our first reading is from Isaiah. It's chapter 35, verses 4 through 7a. Our second reading is from the letter of St. James. It's chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And our gospel reading is from Mark. It's chapter 7, verses 31 through 37. Just a couple things to note. First, we have readings from both the Old and New Testaments. Isaiah is from the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scripture, while the letter of James is from the New Testament or the Christian Scripture, as is our Gospel reading. Now, tonight, we'll see that God is coming to save us all. The poor will inherit the kingdom, and people just love to gossip. Okay, let's start by going through the readings, and then we can talk about the messages we find. As I said, our first reading is from Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. And our second reading is from the letter of St. James. My brothers and sisters, Believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there, or sit on the floor by my feet, 
Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? And our gospel reading is from Mark. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee, and into the region of Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. All right, so let's take a first glance at these readings, and we'll ask ourselves, what does it mean? What messages and meanings can we find if we dig around a little bit? So from our first reading from Isaiah, um, this is a very, it's a very poetic passage once it gets rolling, which was probably appropriate for the audience at the time. Um, Isaiah was sharing God's message with the Israelites who were afraid. He's reassuring them that they just need to remain strong because God is coming to save them. It's kind of cool that Isaiah then goes on to sort of uh, paint a verbal picture of what that means, you know, what God arriving to save them is going to look like. The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will jump around, water will come gushing forth, even from the desert. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Oh, no, wait, sorry, that that last part was, that was Bill Murray from Ghostbusters. Um, Seriously, though, Isaiah really emphasizes a lot of things, including and especially water, saying it will gush forth in the wilderness. There will be streams in the desert. Heck, the burning sands will become a pool and the the thirsty ground will become bubbling springs. If you think about who he was speaking to and what part of the world they were in, it makes a lot of sense. When you live in a dry desert region, water means life. And abundant water means abundant life. So these images that Isaiah shared were were probably very powerful ones for the Israelites. And they they demonstrated, these images demonstrated how loving and awesome their God was. And one final thing I'll note is that there is a link between our first reading and our gospel reading. Isaiah says that when God comes, when God comes, the deaf will hear. And Jesus God the Son, the Messiah, heals the deaf and mute man in our gospel reading. So the people should have recognized that God had arrived to save them. 
But the main message I gleaned from this reading had more to do with, I think, overcoming a fearful heart. Isaiah says, be strong, do not fear. But to do that, the Israelites actually had to, they had to be open, right? Open to the mysteries of God, open to the miracles of God, open to the healing and and the abundant life God would bring. Because when you have a fearful heart, you also have a closed heart. When you have a fearful mind, you also have a closed mind. We need to open our hearts and minds to listen to the Lord and, and to see with our eyes of faith. Now, only then will we be strong. So the main message I got from our first reading is that we should let God open our eyes, ears, minds, and hearts. God has come to save us, but if we're afraid and have closed our hearts and minds, then we won't recognize the presence of the Lord. We might not even notice Jesus in our midst. So we need to let God open our eyes, ears, minds, and hearts. So, take a first glance at our second reading. That was from, second reading was from the letter of St. James. And here we see James using the example of, you know, the man with a gold ring and fine clothes, someone obviously wealthy, and, and then the poor man in the filthy clothes. Um, at the time, the rich man would have gotten preferential treatment everywhere he went. And it's likely... Um, you know, that that was starting to happen in the new Christian church as well. So James points out that when you do that, when you, when you treat someone better because they are a person of means, then you're becoming judges with evil thoughts. Now, this is one of those passages in scripture that actually has a special meaning for me. Uh, back when I was in college, we had, a, we had a fire in our basement, and basically all of my clothes had to be cleaned because they reeked of smoke. You know, I stayed for a while at a friend's house while you know the cleaning and the repairs were being done, but I remember the Sunday right after the fire. I went to Mass, and I had to just wear the old ratty jeans and the concert t-shirt that I happened to be wearing the day of the fire. It's what I had. Yes, I was dressed for a hall show, but I figured it was still better than using it as an excuse to not go to church. Uh, after Mass, this little old blue-haired lady came walking up, stopped right in front of me and said, Welcome to Holy Redeemer. And before I could tell her that I wasn't visiting, that I'd been, been a member of the parish my entire life, she pointed her finger at my face and said, If you come back again, dress appropriately. Then she turned around, turned around and waddled away. Now, St. James would have been appalled. What that little old blue-haired devout Catholic did was exactly what this scripture warns not to do. She completely judged me by what I happened to be wearing at the time. She judged what was on the inside based solely on what she observed at a glance on the outside. Now, we don't review the responsorial psalm when I do these presentations, but let me share a couple lines from this week's psalm. It's from Psalm 146. The God of Jacob keeps faith forever, 
secures justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets captives free. The Lord protects strangers. It goes along with this message of looking out for those who are, are oppressed, those who are considered less among society. You know, in our second reading here, James uses someone who was generally oppressed by society at the time, a poor person, to emphasize that continuing to oppress people in that way is wrong. And for those of you listening to me right now, it's probably very easy to understand what he's talking about. And I'm sure it's pretty easy to imagine how rude it was for that little old blue hair to say what she said to me. But ask yourself, do you ever see someone at mass and think to yourself, well, she's not dressed appropriately for church, you know, or doesn't he own a comb? And, but, but it's not just about when we're in church either. It's about wherever we are. So, have you ever been walking down the street in a street in a, uh, a sketchy part of town and you see a group of young guys coming towards you? They're just laughing and being loud like older teens tend to do, but they're wearing their baggy pants low so their underwear is showing and they look like they, eh, they might be in a gang or something. And you try to figure out if you can cross the street before they reach you. Well, first of all, a sketchy part of town? sketchy to who? If you're a white person from the suburbs, don't you consider every neighborhood sketchy if it's worse than yours? And, and especially if black and brown people make up the majority of the residents, doesn't it seem kind of sketchy to you? If you were in your suburban neighborhood and a group of young guys were walking down the street, joking and carrying on, you'd probably think it's so nice to see young people outside having fun instead of inside playing video games. Do you see the difference? James makes it clear. When we discriminate, discriminate like this, we've turned ourselves into judges with evil thoughts. Intellectually, we know exactly what James is talking about. But when we're out in the world, in, especially in surroundings where we don't feel comfortable, often because we've judged them to be potentially dangerous, all this feel-good, love-the-oppressed stuff is far from our minds. And, and definitely not in our hearts. So the main message I got from this second reading is exactly what James said. Christians must not show favoritism. When we judge others by what we see on the outside, or worse yet, by the surroundings we find them in, we are being absolutely unchristian. Whether we're judging them favorably or unfavorably in this way doesn't actually matter. The point is that we're choosing favorites, and Christians must not show favoritism. And finally, our gospel reading was from Mark. And <clears throat> here we read about another miracle performed by Jesus. Uh, a miracle that, as I mentioned, is linked to our first reading. Isaiah told the Israelites, what will happen when God comes to save them? And a couple of the miracles were that the deaf shall hear and the mute shall speak, which is exactly what Jesus does. Now, 
Before we talk more about the reading, I would like to point out one thing, though. Jesus did not, he did not give the man a wet willy. Mark doesn't say he licked his fingers and then stuck him in the dude's ears. Jesus put his fingers in the man's ears first before spitting or touching the man's tongue. So it was not the first wet willy, regardless of what the members of my high school youth group might say. Okay. Now that we've got that cleared up, I I do want to focus on a couple other things. And the first is something we've seen a few times before. It's where Jesus tells someone or a group of someone's not to tell anyone else about what happened. And the more he says, keep it quiet, the more they go around blabbing about it. Now, it's an interesting dynamic because, well, I think it shows that People back then had some of the same gossipy tendencies as people today. And let's face it, it's it's not juicy gossip if the person wants you to tell everyone. In fact, if someone says, tell all your friends about what you saw here today, you'd probably think, yeah, okay, you know, here's a snake oil salesman. I think I'll pass. So I have to believe Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He came to save all of us, all of us. So so one of the best ways to to get the word out is to tell people not to talk about it. Okay, the other thing that really caught my attention was the Aramaic word ephetha. Now, this Aramaic word actually made it into the Greek version of the gospel, then into the Latin version, and then into our English version even though the alphabets from these languages were different. The fact that the original word stuck around, to me, indicates the importance of the word. When Jesus says, Ephetha, meaning be opened, the man can hear and speak again. Be opened. It's reminiscent of the message from our first reading, and I think it also reflects what James seemed to be getting at in our second reading. As Christians, we are called to be open. We're called to hear with a compassionate ear. We're called to see with eyes of faith. We're called to accept with a loving heart. We can't possibly do that if our ears, eyes, and hearts are closed. But it's also very hard to be open without the help of Jesus. We're only human, and because of that humanness, we tend to focus on differences. Differences in age, sexuality, ethnicity, uh, cultural background, socioeconomic status, politics, religion, or even just physical appearance. When we primarily focus on these differences, It causes us to start, to start from a place of judgment. We start by judging others. We close our eyes, ears, and hearts to everything except those differences, and then they become all that we perceive. When that happens, when we perceive nothing but differences, it tends to fill our hearts with fear. And that's the opposite of how we're called to be. 
So we ask for the Lord's help. We ask for Jesus to, to open our eyes, to open our ears and our hearts, knowing that he'll say, Ephatha, be opened. So the main message I got from our gospel reading today is that Jesus wants us to be opened. If we want to follow Jesus' commands and live as true disciples, then we need to want our eyes, ears, and hearts to be opened. So if we want that, then we have to ask Christ for that. And we know, we know he'll help us because Jesus wants us to be opened. All right, so let's sum up what we've talked about so far. Uh, in our first reading from Isaiah, the main message I came away with was, let God open our eyes, ears, minds, and hearts. In our second re reading from James, the main message I got was, Christians must not show favoritism. And finally, the main message I got from our gospel reading was, Jesus wants us to be opened. You know, it's very hard to be courageous in the world today when fear seems to be taking over wherever you look. Uh, people are refusing to listen to anyone who doesn't agree with them. They're villainizing anyone who's different from them. They're terrified that the other is going to displace them and take what's theirs. But this is not the way Christians should think or act. We need to let God open our eyes, ears, minds, and hearts so we can see others for the children of God they are. We aren't called to show favoritism unless it's to err on the side of justice and standing up for the oppressed. When we understand this, we can ask for Christ's help because Jesus wants us to be opened. So let's step back and take a second glance at these readings overall, and we'll ask ourselves if our path is any clearer. To do this, I like to ask two questions. So what? And now what? Okay, so what? Why should we care about any of this? Well, we should care about this because too many devout Catholics are like that little old blue-haired lady who welcomed me to her church by telling me to dress better if I even come back. Too many priests and or too many priests and, and bishops are telling people they can't be a member of the club, the exclusive club, unless they take the super secret oath and pinky swear to follow all the rules, which includes things like not being the way God made them, because, well, God didn't make them that way, right? God gave them boy parts or girl parts, and well, end of story. Nothing more to discuss. Nothing more to discuss on so many issues because their eyes, ears, minds, and hearts sure seem to be closed. Now, I'm not trying to say that the church is always wrong and individuals who are oppressed by the church are always right, but for crying out loud, how is it that a church based on a religion that's founded on the idea that God loves the oppressed and God's people need to love the oppressed, how is it that that church seems to be extremely focused on oppressing people. Do we think there just aren't enough oppressed people for us to love? So we have to go and make some more? It's all a bit confusing to me sometimes. 
All right. And the next question is now what? <laughs> what are we supposed to do? Where do we go from here? Well, the only way to honestly ask for Jesus to help you be opened is if you realize that you're closed in the first place. I like to think I'm I'm a very open-minded person, and yet I have blind spots. There are cries I don't hear and wrongs I don't see and judgments I make without even realizing it. And I'm going to bet that many of you are in the same boat. So with that in mind, here's your real challenge for the week. Spend some time identifying how and where you are closed. In order to make true changes in our lives, especially when it comes to our discipleship, we need to see ourselves as clearly as we can. So without judging yourself, without judging yourself, just spend some time identifying how and where you are closed, because then you can ask Jesus to help you be opened. Well, before I wrap things up, I'd like to leave you with one more quote from Scripture. You know, the, the idea of not judging others is nothing new, and it's definitely something that Jesus himself spoke about often. So remember what he said in Luke chapter 6, verse 37. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. It's time for us to step back, understand where we're closed, and try to open ourselves and ask Jesus to help us be opened. And as we do that, understand that it is not our place to judge. So judge not, and you won't be judged. Condemn not, you won't be condemned. And let's truly focus on forgiveness. All right. We have come to the end of our time here together. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back again next week. But in the meantime, I really encourage you to just use this as a starting point. Spend some time with the Bible on your own. Read through a passage a couple times. Think about it. Pray about it. Try to open up not only your mind, but your heart. Break open the Word and then listen to what the Holy Spirit says to you. The Real Word Podcast is brought to you by The Real Values Project, Real Youth Ministry, and The Real Values Framework. Real stands for respect, engage, accept, and lead. For more information on The Real Values, please visit keepingitreal.club. And finally, the Bible readings used for this podcast are from the Holy Bible New International Version, copyright 1973, 1978, 1984, in 2011 by Biblica Inc. Used by permission, all rights reserved worldwide.